Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Hello, my name's Justin the Clue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. And let's jump right in with the cult section. We have Daughters of Darkness being released on UHD from Blue Underground. Ooh, this is a big set here. Blue Underground is just going going all in on these Ultra HD upgrades. Listen, right? Blue Underground, you know, Bill Lustig. He locked his catalog down in like 2005, and he has not <laughs> budged since then. And they figured out that if you release these things as UHD, they make more money. Because I don't believe Blue Underground is doing any new acquisitions. They haven't in what feels like a decade. Yeah, no, I agree. I cannot remember the last new movie they put out that they hadn't already put it out. It was a spaghetti western. Maybe. And I yeah. don't remember one of the titles, but I remember hearing Lustig say that it didn't sell so well. So it kind of soured him on it. And supposedly they own these titles in perpetuity. So I guess they're just going to keep doing this. I just put it out. I just keep thinking of like the seventh release of New York Ripper or Zombie that they keep putting. (laughs) I mean, if people keep buying it, they'll keep doing it, right? And they do keep buying it. That's the crazy thing. It's like when and they're so expensive, but like. I mean, I guess with Daughters of Darkness, you know, it's like, what, a $55 price point or something. But it does come with, like, that nice lenticular cover. You got the Blu-ray, the Ultra HD, and the CD soundtrack. And people just go wild for that. Like, we have already sold a ton. We've had to restock it. And I never I never would have thought at first when they started putting out Ultra HDs that they would sell as much as they are at the price points they're putting them out. But I was wrong. And Daughters of Darkness is a classic Euro horror vampire tale uh, with a little bit of lesbian action in there. You know, it's vampires, right? So it has to include, I mean, Euro vampires. It has to include that in some way. Yeah, I'm more of a Vampiros Lesbos fan myself. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, you like the sleazier kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I actually haven't seen this one either but i've always wanted to i do as sleazy as this stuff is i've always had a i don't know i've always been you know attracted to that sort of euro vampire shtick from the 70s uh but i've just never gotten around to this one for whatever reason speaking of stuff being released again the last starfighter is being put out by arrow oh man they are just they must have some deal with like universal right now to put out their stuff because they've put out flash gordon now pitch black like a lot of these bigger budget sci-fi extravaganzas um, it's a beautiful package, though. What's weird about this one is that it got a big special edition on Blu-ray already. It did, yeah. So is there new stuff on this? It's always I hard I think to there tell. is. There has to be. There always is. I didn't really look at it. The Last Starfighter has never really been a favorite of mine, even though it's directed by the shape himself, Nick Castle. It is, it is. <laughs> uh, but it has its fans. How's it been selling at the store? Really well. People love this movie. I think it's just the nostalgia, right? It's the nostalgia factor. Uh, kids who grew up in the 80s love this this film. I think that, you know, if they want to keep doing this or they will keep doing this, it's fine with me when they get to release like big special editions of smaller films as well. So I guess they get to pad or like, you know, so it balances itself out. Like something like Cold Night of Day, 1989, which are also putting out this week. This one is like a very little scene, like kind of serial killer detective thing from Britain is what I could get out of it. Yeah, female director, which is interesting because you weren't getting a lot of that back at that time. And it does have, I haven't seen it yet, but it does seem like it has a vibe of like, I mean, they do say on the back it was an inspiration for something like Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Seems to have, like, angst sort of vibes. Like, just that kind of following POV of a serial killer thing. 
Um, and yeah, it's really nice that they've put out, it didn't seem to play much beyond its initial release. Like this film seemed to have all but disappeared since like the late eighties. Maybe it's the fact that cold, uh, light of day is a real, in know. terms of titles, there's so many movies called this. Well, it became a Bruce Willis movie too recently, did it not? Yep, it did. <laughs> With Henry Cavill. Yeah. But like, like I was telling you, I think the other day, every time I think Arrow's like selling out by putting out something like The Last Starfighter, they put out something like Cold Light of Day and like a deluxe special edition. So I can't hate on them. And speaking of Arrow wanting to pad out their margins, they're putting out Herschel Gordon Lewis's Feast Collection now in a smaller box. Ooh, you know what? This is way more attractive to me now that it's in a smaller box. Like that first release, which was kind of designed like a cereal Ugh, box. Just monstrously oh big. Oh my God, it was heavy. It was like the Gamera set, basically the same kind of weight and everything and we only sold like a couple of those and i gotta say that uh what kept me from buying it and from buying this one, which means I'll probably never own these movies, is that in the UK, they put out oh, a much better box set. with like a novelization and a oh, book by wow. Stephen Thrower. So I was like, ah, oh, this doesn't include that. So no, thank you. And to be honest, I've never been a massive Herschel Gordon me Lewis neither, fan. Actually, I, I kind of I need to get more into his work or give him more of a try. I've only seen one or two and I, I kind of appreciate them more than I really love them or think about them that much this set is really nice looking though i mean it might not be as good as the uk set but i do like the packaging they put together for it and the just the breadth of titles they've put in it um it's pretty much everything i mean i there's probably one or two missing but like the al adamson set uh it's just all out and includes everything oh yeah and if you held off on the initial set because it was a super heavy and b really expensive this is a much, much more affordable. I think we got it for about 85 bucks, which is like less than half of what it was initially. And I think it's all this, the, the discs, right? They didn't like yeah, remove the, anything. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's the exact same thing, just in a way slimmer package. And there's probably no book, which I believe was included no, in the bigger yeah, one. That, yeah, that would be the big thing. There's definitely no book in it. Um, but if you don't really, I mean, unless you're really, I feel like if you wanted that initial set, you would have already got it by now because that's been out of print for a while. So we also have from Kino, Picture Mommy Dead, which is, you know, what seems like a psycho style ripoff. But I was shocked when I read it's directed by Bert I. Gordon, Mr. Big himself. It is. It is. I figured, I don't know. I thought you might have seen this one. <laughs> no, no, I don't think I've seen like one Bert I. Gordon movie. Right. Oh, yeah. I feel like we talked about him with something else that came out recently. Yeah, that my issue with his films is that uh, he projects, um, uh, you know, normal size things yeah. to look giant. And I want the like costumes or the little figurines. None of this like projection shit. No, thank you. But the fact that he made this movie, I did not know. And yeah, it sounds got, fascinating. Yeah, Gabor. So that's always a plus. So Ooh, yeah. boy. And it's definitely got its fans because we've been selling a bunch of these. Huh. I, I bet you it's one of those hasn't been on Blu-ray ever kind of things. I think that's it. I had, uh, We didn't even have an old DVD copy of this or anything. So this might be the first time it's arrived on any sort of disc. Speaking of cult movies that people can't wait to get their hands on kill dozer the amazingly titled oh, man <laughs> we have been asked about this movie forever when it's coming out and it was available as like a universal vault like mod for years but 
people just wanted a Blu-ray upgrade, and I love that Kino has stepped in to uh, fill the void on this one. Wasn't it a TV movie? Am I mistaken? It is. No, it is a TV movie, and Kino, which is right in Kino's wheelhouse right now, because they're putting out a ton of these TV movies. Again, it's from Universal, so I guess they have access to a lot of those Universal TV movies right now. And it stars Clint Walker, uh, the big guy from The Dirty Dozen, and a very conservative, I remember reading some interviews with him near the end of his life, who has to take on a possessed bulldozer <laughs> i mean this movie is literally just what you expect it is <laughs> you know um, i watched this the other night because uh, i'd always wanted to see this i always heard a lot of things about this and you know what it's definitely a tv movie um although it's i would say it's a little higher budgeted than maybe your average tv movie uh it all takes place in one location which is hilarious it's about a bunch of construction workers who have been hired to build a like a landing strip for airplanes on this like remote pacific island it's really hilarious um but the island it's clearly just shot in like california somewhere. yeah universal backlot somewhere but, like, they've all been like dropped off on this like remote pacific island like i don't even know where they're getting their food from or anything it's ridiculous um and then yeah they basically bump into this the bulldozer bumps into this meteor that's crashed there which has these special powers that basically (laughs) turns the bulldozer evil and honestly this movie is really really funny if you like just like bat you know if you like something like the car i would say this is the even like Uh, i love the car and the car is very classy the car is very good this is maybe like the trashier version of this and also do they ever call it a kill they don't actually they just call it a bulldozer and the funniest thing about this is bulldozers are not very fast at all (laughs) and apparently i read in some trivia note that an average bulldozer can't even go as fast as the average person jogging. So the fact that so many of these guys are people get, constantly like getting their foot yeah, caught in well, something, they're constantly or... just like running from it. And there's all these like POV killdozer shots where it's like coming after it and they can't get out of the way. Literally one character, you know, that scene in the, in Austin powers where, you know, the guy yeah, stands like, in front, oh! no, stop. Yeah. And he gets, and there's literally a scene like this where a guy's in his car and he like, can't get it started. And he's like, no, no. And it's like, dude, you could just get out your car and like walk to the side and he stands he basically sits in his car until the bulldozer kills him he can't let the bulldozer take his car (laughs) it's a part of him exactly so so many guys are running from this bulldozer and just can't get out of the way for some reason but yeah this bulldozer really you know messes with these dudes so it's it's pretty fun it's it's a lot of fun there was a marvel comics adaptation of this and i remember that the cover was the killdozer with like evil eyes (laughs) (laughs) coming after people this killdozer doesn't necessarily have evil eyes but the two lights on the front of it like shine as if they're eyes at some point nice it does have some nice touches like that uh and then it all kind of culminates in a big and explosive ending where they have to like try and detonate this thing but uh it's funny it's funny and i mean this bulldozer drives around a lot with nobody behind the wheel or anything so i don't know how they did that that's kind of (laughs) cool that's what you're impressed by how did they do that you need somebody to drive a bulldozer You know, <laughs> moving on, Kino and something weird are teaming up for Forbidden Fruit Volume Seven. More of their uh, mental hygiene film. This one is a double bill of test tube babies and guilty parents. Yeah, we uh, talk about these every month or two, and uh, yep, and we say wait for the yeah, box exactly. set that we swear is probably you know coming. It's gonna happen. The Forbidden Fruit box set 
I don't know what volume they need to get up to before it happens, but it's happening. Uh, speaking of box sets, uh, we have one at Bay Street Video that was broken up. It's the Amityville Horror box set that uh, Amityville. There you go. I said it correctly that time. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that uh, Vinegar Syndrome put out uh, a few months ago, finally each getting their own releases. And some of these whew, do not deserve their own releases. Yeah, this is this is a real shame because I really liked the initial set they put out on their on their site beautiful i wanted to try and get that in here because i mean personally i really like these movies i think this whole cycle of the cursed object thing i don't know it really works for me i know people are hit or miss about them i I, you know what i haven't seen any i watched the one that everybody always talks up emonyville 1992 it's about time because it's directed by the guy who did hellraiser 2 and i thought it was okay yeah it was okay yeah okay didn't really grab me i really like that one that's my favorite of these um so i don't yeah if you didn't like that one so much i'm not sure what your mileage will be on the others i just they have a bit of a trap. I'm not really a huge fan of the original three Amityville. Oh, so I these love ones- the second one. The like real sleazy, incestuous, almost Evil Dead uh, two-ish one directed by the Italian director. Totally, yeah. No, that one's got its moments. But for some reason, I don't know. They just didn't do it for me as much as for some reason, these ones just like hit my sweet spot. I don't know what it is. It's just like because none of them actually take place at the Amityville house. Mm, obviously, It's all they're- objects that go to other houses. Yeah, it's all cursed objects that go to like California. So they're all shot in California. Oh, we didn't even say the title of Amityville Horror, The Evil Escapes, A New Generation, and Dollhouse. Yeah, and so, yeah, I I would highly recommend, like, the set of these together because I just like these a lot. As individuals, though, like, these are priced in, like, the 35 to 40 range each. So, like... I don't know if I'd say they're worth it because I believe they're all or most of them are streaming on Tubi right now. If uh, yeah. yeah, Vinegar Syndrome, the day that they like release a new Blu-ray, they put it on Tubi. So yeah, so if you have Tubi or even Prime Video, because that's where I initially watch them because they're on there, too. Um, you can watch them all on there. So maybe give them a try. But. I don't know. I really like the set they put together because it looks like a house and everything. And I'm all for gimmicks like that. And I just think these movies are a lot of fun. But I'm going to say this is maybe the one thing. Maybe don't come to Bay Street Video for these because you're just not getting the same packaging or like price pricing. Uh, so them. we also have a bunch of other Vinegar Syndrome releases. Zombie 5, Killing Birds, Memorial Valley Massacre, and Grave Robbers, a.k.a. Landronas de Tumbas. Have you seen any of these, I didn't get around to these. I know you had watched yep. these, right? And were a big fan of these. Yeah, I just didn't get to them, but I'm very intrigued. Uh, Zombie 5, Killing Birds is a film that... Uh, was done in that series of Joe D'Amato coming to America and he did like Troll 2. He did another one like Vines or something like that. Oh no, it's like something seven. I don't remember. And this was one of them, Zombie 5 Killing Birds. Not a zombie film, nor is it about killing (laughs) birds, even though a bird does peck somebody's eye out in the cold (laughs) open. It's kind of like a low budget version of the Beyond where like a bunch of uh, college students go to, you know, the swamps to find a rare kind of bird. But what they discover is terror. You know, it's better than its uh, reputation has led me to believe. Memorial Valley Massacre. It's a caveman slasher. It's great. The caveman's shown right away. He has big buck teeth running around in the daytime. <laughs> Uh, so that, <laughs> that's great. That, that's fun. And it's another regional kind of horror film. And Grave Robbers is Vinegar Syndrome is diving into the filmography of this guy. Ooh, I don't have uh, his name in front of me. He also did Don't Panic, which uh, they may be putting out at some point, considering they're putting out his other movie uh, this month. So. Yeah, 
I'm sure they'll get on. No, yeah, they are. So uh, (laughs) Grave Robbers is fun because it's essentially a straight ahead slasher. It's like a zombie slasher man that can't be killed, like this big hulking dude with an axe. Very fun. More fun than I would say than the other one, Cemetery of Terror, that they released after this. Right. Uh, Not as fun as Don't Panic, uh, which so it sits there right in the middle. Uh, and so, yeah, so I would definitely recommend checking these out. I don't know, again, at these price points, it's pretty expensive. Like, I bought them in, like, the set where you, they're, like, all much cheaper. So it's easier to swallow. That's the thing. We don't get the slip covers on these. And they are, again, like, 35 to 40 bucks. So I don't know. I mean, at least with these, like, they are, you're getting all the same extras and everything that were on you the initial releases. The you cover, just don't get yeah. the slip cover. And they are a little pricier. So... I don't know. I mean, they still sell for us. We still always bring them in and they do okay enough. I think Zombie 5 is the most is the highest selling one so far. I think maybe just because of the tie-in with the zombie movies, you know. Vinegar Syndrome, please let Bay Street Video have the slip covers. I know. Honestly, I was trying to I was trying to get that Amityville set too and I just I sent an email, just never got any response. So, I don't know. Moving on, we got a new release from Cult Epics, Desolate and Egg. Wait a minute. Didn't this already come out like 6 I months think ago? I it did. Well, it was more like, you know, two years ago now but oh was it yeah God, so definitely egg, yeah it was kind of notoriously unavailable for so long and then it was finally put out by cult epics a couple years ago which was great but they didn't really put any extras or anything and it was very it. expensive yeah and now they have re-released it a couple years later as a special edition with another cut of the film and a whole bunch of extras so i guess maybe they had success with their other cult epic releases because there was like a period where you remember when like Arrow was crowdfunding, Cult Epics was crowdfunding, uh, yeah, Agfa was crowdfunding, yeah. and I guess maybe they figured out their audience and they're just rolling in the green now and they can do all these new releases. I guess so, right? I mean, they don't, yeah, they don't obviously don't have the output of a lot of those other companies, but when they're putting something out, they put a lot of care and effort into it nowadays. And well, this one has like a Troy Howard's Nathaniel Thompson commentary. Those guys are like on all the Italian horror releases. Is. There's like a short film by the director. There's an interview with the director. Like this thing is loaded. Yeah, so I apologize if you bought the previous edition. Not that that was like inferior necessarily. It just doesn't really, you know, the movie is like fine. It's like transferred well. It just doesn't have all this stuff on it. So it's a bit of a shame. Full Moon is putting out Panther Squad, a Sibyl Danning uh, action movie about astronauts being abducted by a group of I- environmental terrorists. Yeah, sounds wild. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's terrible, though. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> I thought this one would be selling a lot more than it is just because Sybil Danning's always, you know, a hit around here. But we haven't really sold too many. Yeah, Full movies. Moon is coming out firing on all cylinders, too, with Blu-rays lately. They are. That's weird. Everybody's gotten Blu-ray fever all of a sudden. Yeah, well, we used to never be able to get our hands on their Blu-rays. Like, they would release them, but it would only be a direct thing, or you'd have to, like, go through Amazon. Wait, are you getting it through MVD now? We are, yeah. So MVD is our supplier for Full Moon. They carry pretty much all of them. So slowly, we're starting to get more of their Blu-ray releases. They may not all come in, but uh, or two weeks from now, there's, like, a huge slew of Full Moon Blu-rays. We do. Well, you know what? They're actually not Blu-rays. They are just DVDs. Boo! <laughs> but they're, they're remastered DVDs, is what right, they call right. them. Right, right. I get it. Because I, I, cause I have some of the Blu-rays. Anyway, we'll talk about it when it gets right. there. We'll talk there, about yeah. those later, yeah. We got uh, Severn Films, Primitives, which is a cannibal picture from the director of Indonesia's Satan Slave, the original one. I don't really do cannibal films. Yeah, so. I mean, I really, you know, we re- 
really like Satan's Slave. I was big on that when that came out. So I'm a little intrigued because of that. But yeah, be, I I'm read some a, pretty middling reviews for this one. So yeah, yeah. Cannibal stuff is just kind of all the same at a certain point. But he has like a crazy filmography. So if they have access to these two and obviously they went with the cannibal one because they know that's like their audience kind yeah. of like, like that outside stuff that maybe they'll start digging into more of his horror films that may not be as well known and like stuff that just has never gotten any kind of English language release. Yeah, so, I hope so. You know, it's kind of fascinating. Like Vinegar Syndrome is going to the Mexican and we have Severin going into the Indonesian stuff. Like yeah. finally the Blu-ray companies are starting to like, you know, break off from the tried and true. Yeah, right. And mine the rest of the world for like great content. India man is just sitting there. Like, I guys. know, right? Like where, yeah, where are the cult companies on the Indian cinema right now? Like I played a Indian film during my marathon called Khan. It's like one woman trapped in a house and there's like two guys that show up. It's shot like, uh, like a giallo, like Mikel Suave. It's a hundred minutes long. Like a company could jump on that movie and like, it would be a discovery for everyone that saw it. Like everyone that watched it during our marathon was like, this movie's amazing. How have I never heard about it before? And it's like, it's cause it's Indian and there is no one releasing those movies right exactly, now. Exactly. Right. All right. So Severin moving on, we got cruel jaws, AKA jaws <laughs> five. And we both watched this one this oh, week. Yeah. I mean, I'm a sucker for shark movies and I have always been intrigued by this one. Just Pretty much only because it was called Jaws 5 in a lot of territories, and that's just hilarious to me. Also, the fact that it was made by Bruno Mattei, who is like the supreme ripoff artist of our time. Well, I guess of a different time now, but um, this one is pretty hilarious, I have to say. Um, I was a big fan. What did, uh, what did you think? I think it's fun. I think that there is no movie that Bruno Mattei can direct that is not boring in some way. Yeah, like, I totally agree with that. <laughs> the performances, again, this is like a Italian shooting in America thing. And yeah. the performances are very funny. Oh, man, that was probably my favorite part about it. Like, you're getting into some serious, like, Troll 2 level performances with this one. Like, just the lead guy, the, like, uh, the fish doctor guy. Every line he says is like like so overacted it's just it's hilarious to me it's and like it he, looks like uh hulk hogan's less successful yeah. brother is one of the leads <laughs> he's great yeah every actor in this is hilarious um and should be probably rightfully embarrassed of themselves at this point um i mean basically it's a straight ripoff of jaws and like pretty much every jaws and jaws three after that jaws three <laughs> which it you know and it i mean i guess the big deal with this one is it liberally uses exact footage from jaws two and three and most notably the last shark the en enzo castle uh, castellari and film. so much stock footage oh my god characters just reacting to grainy oh my god. stock and footage. you can tell how much you can tell when the stock footage they're like it's just like they didn't even try. There is not, I think, a second of new shark no, footage not at all. used for but this you know movie. What? I almost admire the, the chutzpah behind that, <laughs> you know, just like. Well, Bruno Mattei was an editor before he was a director. So that's like his oh, thing. Oh, you can tell, you know. I mean, say what you will about Bruno Mattei, but you're right. His movies are never really boring and they're always. No, no, no. I said they are boring. <laughs> oh, are they boring? I don't know. For me, I was insanely entertained by this one. Uh, this movie feels like an like 900 hours long as well like it keeps starting it and stopping I mean, and like starting and stopping and it's a film where so many people die and it ends with like a seal knocking the villain I, into a pool <laughs> and i love how everybody who survives is just like so happy at the end and it's like nothing uh, nothing ever really happens there is an out of nowhere explosion that makes me laugh so hard i know what you're talking about <laughs> where the guy <laughs> 
Don't lift a, ga- uh, a tank of gas above your head, you fool. So, I don't know. I, I had a lot of fun with this one, but I mean, you gotta really know what you're getting yourself into. No, I would recommend it if people know what they're getting. It, and it's at a reasonable price point. It's not like thirty two ninety five or anything like that. Like, it's- Oh, totally, yeah. And they got, they've got two cuts of the film on here. The, the Mate, the, well, I guess the original cut and then an unreleased Japanese cut, which had never the seen the The Snyder day. cut, they call it because. The Snyder cut, yeah. The pseudonym of Bruno Mate on the film is William Snyder. Yeah. It's too bad though that we didn't get any of the swag that Severin had initially uh, released with I kind of regret uh, not getting it because they did a novelization yeah, they did a no- uh, that they wrote just for their release. I'm going to do that for a Gold Ninja video release. I'm going to write a novelization for one of the movies. Guaranteed. And I love that they did a jaws 5 slip cover for this that unfortunately we don't have here because that was kind of like yeah because you guys got the terminator 2 slip cover for shocking strange we didn't expect that we did get that but it was like a one and done thing they're like once you once you sell out of these it's done like they just burn them all after it's It's weird because you also got the slip covers for horror spider island i guess if they sell out you just don't get them that's basically what it comes down to i think with this one too it was just like the legal the legality of it is a little more touchier than anything before because you can't really release a movie called Jaws 5 in North America <laughs> and, not, and get Well, fly, The and, Last you know. Shark is still uh, not allowed to be released in North America because yeah. it was shut down by Universal uh, during its theatrical release. Yeah, I have a, a bootleg DVD of it because it's kind of like public domain-y. But you know what? I just saw recently, it's uh, streaming on Prime right now. Yeah, there are some high-definition transfers from around the world. It's just not in America. Yeah, it looks decent. It looks better than the DVD I have. So, you know, if you want to check it out and see what footage was taken from The Last Shark, I mean, you can do a compare and contrast. Uh, so we also have a new release from Massacre Video. This one is called Night Terror. It's a... Uh, it's not a shot on video movie because it was shot on 16, but finished on video. So it got, it's got that weird fuzzy haze over yeah, okay, it. Okay, okay. And I watched this one because uh, I picked up the DVD. It's okay. The problem it has is that like, there's not really any gore in any of the segments except for the last one. And so without a punchline, it builds and builds and builds to kind of nothing. <laughs> like, uh. And when you hear what they're about, it's like one of them is like a misogynist guy, uh, you know, gets his comeuppance off screen in a 40 right. minute short or there's no. one about a haunted roller coaster. You're like, Ooh, that sounds great. But it just murders one person off screen. Yeah. You're like, Oh man. Uh, or the third on. one is about a bunch of criminals rob a toy store and kill the owner. So the stuffed teddy bear decides to take revenge on the criminals. That one's the best one. But then there's like a wraparound story and you're like, Oh no, this is lame. Now I remember this is all lame. Right. This would maybe be like a soft recommend because I love these kind of movies if there were any special features, but I get the feeling Masker Video just doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, I don't know, because they were putting some some Blu-rays out for a while and everything, but this one's just a DVD only release. It's like release. one guy who does all of this stuff. It's one guy. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when we did Mr. No Legs way back, you know, a few months ago, I guess that didn't have that many extras on it, right? No, it didn't have any extras on it. And that was another thing where I was like, ah, come on. Uh, and speaking of anthology films, Agfa Bleeding Skull also put scary tales on Blu-ray. And it's this week's Blind Buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny that this came out. We got this the same week as Night Terror since they're kind of similar mm-hmm. type movies. Like Ooh, uh, there's a big difference stuff. between both of them. And the difference is Scary Tales is great. Yeah, Scary Tales was hella fun for sure. This is one of those like shot on video movies that I should like go to the top of the pack, especially anthology films, which are always death. Yeah. 
And we talk so much about how much we hate anthology movies on this podcast. But, you know, this is anthology movies done right. Exactly. They, they feel short. They're packed with gore. I mean, they basically end on non sequiturs, but they're really funny ones. I mean, what was your favorite short, I Mark? I would say my favorite short was probably the middle one, where it's literally, <laughs> there's really not much story to it. It's literally a guy is, you know, senses his wife is cheating on him, which she is, and then follows her to you know her rendezvous and then just goes crazy and goes on a killing spree kills the kills the wife and the guy yeah and then just kills a bunch of other people he picks up a bow and arrow and it's like not the same guy because he yeah, has a I big know, right? thick mustache so, and it's funny because they kind of like you see the guy at the beginning having this conversation with his wife and like kind of grilling her and then like so you know but then when he goes to stalk them and then goes on his killing spree they never show his face or anything so they make it like this big mystery like who is this guy but then at the end they just zoom up to his face and it's just him it's just the guy yeah it's as if you're like oh i'm shocked it was but him I all know, along. But it's like they're trying to make it like this point like can you believe this like everyday joe turned into a killer it's like yeah, we can, because I've just seen him kill, like, ten people. That segment is filled with really funny gore, decapitations, head oh, chopped man. off. A, a camera move I have never seen in a motion picture before, which is zooming into a belly that button. That was, like, my favorite moment. Uh, we should say, like, yeah, a bear, like, just gut, and the camera zooms in and goes out of focus. <laughs> yeah, it's like, imagine, like, the psycho shower scene, like, the end where it zooms into the uh, the drain, but... <laughs> To, but to, like, uh, a larger man's belly button. Let's just say that. <laughs> and the other two stories is a guy finds a necklace that he decides to wear yeah, for some reason. Satan's he, necklace. <laughs> and he starts turning into a devil man, which has the best line of the film where a woman in bathtub goes, I'm horny. And the guy grows <laughs> devil horns and he's like, so am I. Get it? Because yeah. he's horny. <laughs> It feels like they reverse engineered the whole short yeah, around I that. love the gags around sex in that one, too, especially like he has a dream sequence earlier where his his uh, wife and him are having fully clothed sex. And and then <laughs> yeah. she turns into like a demon and pukes all over his face. And then later he's like, oh, I had this horrible nightmare where we were having sex and then just like stops there. And then she's like. Oh, well, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You puked on my face. Yeah, you puked on my face, you know? Yeah, and the third tale is called Level 21, and it's like this doughy white guy. I mean, every short stars a doughy white guy. Gets zapped into a video game where he goes up against, like, ninjas. And... It just becomes this whole, like, LARPing thing, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which honestly isn't really that scary. I saw, like, one user review of it being like, it's mostly, like, unscary tales, but it's, you know, it's this is the unscariest tale of them all um but you know i admire the, the i guess the production value of sorts like uh, getting uh, the you mean them in a field with like plastic swords the highlight of this short was the ending yeah. that was so confusing i had to like rewind it to be like wait did i miss something i know right it ends on a high note that's for sure and we haven't even talked about the rapper well the sort of wrap oh, around. so good yeah which is like a Halloween decoration, reading a book to children. It's clearly like a Dollarama level, like a dollar store level Halloween skeleton guy just reading these stories to a group of children that they've somehow managed to to accumulate for this. Um, 
But yeah, I had a ton of fun with this one. Oh yeah, this was so much fun. And Agfa, they got a commentary with the director. I don't have it in front of me, but I think there's shorts as well. There, there's actually a whole nother feature on here. So apparently nice. he did a follow-up anthology movie called Dark Something. I, I can't remember the title, but uh, apparently it's, you can't really find much info about it, but apparently it's also an anthology. They've got the whole thing on there, which I didn't have time to watch, but it's like another, it's like an hour or so. I think they might have a short as well, but they have a bunch of, yeah, interviews. I think they have some sort of behind the scenes featurette or blooper thing if i remember correctly Ooh. but um yeah this is a great release and i just like after finishing this i just was i just love that these kind of movies the i mean not that we haven't seen regional horror movie releases like this before but that they're getting just like the love that agva's putting into them and apparently this guy uh who made this uh was did eventually work with Don Doler too. So that's kind of an interesting connection. So they kind of work together. It's from Baltimore. So yeah, it's a real talent from Baltimore here. That's been undiscovered. I think his name's Doug, Doug Ehrlich that made this film. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would highly, highly recommend this one. I mean, maybe it's because I don't like anthology movies so much that this one just kind of hit the sweet spot for me. Cause it just like, it just had all the stuff that you wanted, even though it didn't have punchlines, which we said kind of, we need in horror stuff, but it had a bunch of gore it had a bunch of weird stuff. Like the shorts just kind of end and you're like, Oh, I guess it's over. Like, yeah. I kind of liked those non sequitur endings for them. And I kind of like the almost like flippancy he has towards the basic story elements. It's kind of just like, yeah, all right, we'll do this story, but it's just kind of an excuse to like, get all these friends together in funny costumes, have a bunch of like really great low budget gore effects and just have a good time. And you can really like feel it radiate off the screen. So moving on to the classic section, we have Parasite or as Mark would say, overrated. Overrated. How is this a classic movie already when it came out like, you know, a year ago? (laughs) Mark's playing the heel in this. I know. I mean, look, (laughs) I get people's love towards Parasite. And this is a great release because you finally... You finally get the black and white version, which people have been clamoring for since it came out. T- turn the saturation down on your TV. I know, There's I know. a new commentary with Bong Joon-ho, I can't say his name, and uh, Tony Raines, who I'm, I'm like, he's still kicking? He's been around for like wow. 100 years. Yeah. And there's like a 90-minute like interview gallery and stuff like that. So this this is actually a packed special edition. Uh, Criterion really went all out for a new movie. I, you know, maybe they've been listening to our complaints because they also did this for... Uh, marriage story as well they went all out they did so. yeah I mean look I, I think it's good that they've done this because the last thing you want to do is make people rebuy a set that's like basically the same as the original I said it when um, I know. Parasite just came out normally on this podcast I believe yeah you did oh, the Criterion's gonna put this out and they did so yeah. well you are the release guru here you call them all <laughs> my only right. you know i mean my only complaint my one of numerous complaints here is again where is memories of murder though you know like if they can get around I to this know. like is it just a they clearly have the rights to it because they said they have the rights to it but where is it what's taking so long for memories of murder is it like they need to they're working on a new transfer or they're trying to hold out for extras it's like I just wish Memory of Mur- Memories of Murder would come out because personally I like that film a lot more and it's way more due for an upgrade. Yeah, at this I don't point. know. Maybe it's a rights issue. All right, so moving on, we have a ton of movies that I've never seen. I'm going to assume you haven't seen most of these as well. Uh, yeah, actually, no, I, I will maybe surprise you with one of these. All right, so let's move on. We got The Chalk Garden, uh, Kino release, directed by Ronald Neem, the director of Poseidon Adventure. Uh, grandmother seeks a governess for a 16-year-old daughter, Laurel, who manages to drive each 
each of them away by exposing their past with a record of three in one week. Ooh, sounds wacky. Yeah, uh, this is one for the old folks, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we have SOS Titanic, another Titanic movie. I've seen this one. This is the one I've seen. <laughs> and all right, give us your review, Mark. Okay, well... I've only seen this because I saw it as a kid on TV, I remember. It was like when Titanic Fever was on, you know. I'd seen James Cameron's Titanic in theaters with my parents, and then this was on TV. I'm like, great, another Titanic movie. I thought it was fun at the time. So this was initially a TV movie, actually, that was like a four-hour thing. Basically the same kind of thing as, like, James Cameron's Titanic. You just get a bunch of different characters, and you kind of follow them for a while, and then the ship sinks. Uh, This release, though, is pretty good because they have the theatrical cut that they released in Europe as well. So it's like... Interesting. A pretty big uh, two-disc set. Uh, I think they've got some nice extras on it, too. They put a slipcover on this bad boy. So it's kind of a Kino release they've went a little more all out on. And I remember having fun with this one as a mm. kid. So if you've got Titanic fever like Mike does, you got to check this one out. Yeah, who doesn't have Titanic fever? <laughs> uh, we also have Waterloo Bridge being released by Warner Archive. Vivian Lee, Robert Taylor. It's a M- Mervyn Leroy joint. And it's on the eve of World War II. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> Your favorite genre. A British officer revisits Waterloo Bridge and recalls a young man he was he once was at the beginning of World War II. All right, I got it. Moving on. Yeah, we can move on. <laughs> Africa Scream, released by yeah. Classic Flicks, which I believe is a public domain distributor, right? It is, yeah. So they, well, I think they, yeah, you're right, because this has been out on a bunch of different public domain discs, and they basically specialize in taking public domain stuff and actually putting out, like, restorations of them. So they've, oh, this so is this like, is a restoration. This is a restoration. This is actually, like, a special edition that they've done that's a little... Ah, why do they have flicks in their name? It makes I me think know. of, like, cheesy flicks and other stuff. That's right, because classic flicks did uh, T-Men and... They did. Yeah, they did uh, the John Alton Wars. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they did nice releases for those. So, yeah, they're get they do put out some nice releases. I don't know if as many people care about something like Africa Screams, unfortunately. I mean, maybe they got that um, Abbott and Costello big box set that was put out uh, last year. They're like, I need to complete that's my collection. True, that's true. But I think like, I think this is priced again at like $35 or something. So I don't know if the, if the market's there. We sold a couple, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a nice looking release for sure. So if you're a fan of this kind of thing, I would say this is like the definitive Wait a minute, edition. But is it racist, Mark? I'm going to say probably. <laughs> <laughs> you can just say yes. I'm going to say like, yes. Having never seen this film or really knowing much about it, I'm going to uh, say yes. We also have Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. The complete collection. How many episodes of Flintstones is that? I know. Well, first time on Blu-ray for this bad boy. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. I need this in high I definition. Know. And apparently there's already many manufacturing issues with it so how many discs is it uh that's a good question it's a big box so it's not like a warner archive release it's like an actual warner release it's like a big box set but apparently like you know we're the friday the 13th set there are some defects on some of the discs so there might i think there's a replacement program already in effect with warner so if you've already bought this set you might want to look into that i can't remember what specifically the issues are i think it's just like minor stuff though. all right so moving on we have just one of the guys being released by Sony. This is a film I've never seen, but I know because people always bring it up because it's a PG film that has bare breasts in it. Oh, I did not know that. (laughs) And the plot is a young woman pretends to be just one of the guys. That's all I got. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Female directed though, which I guess is rare for, you know, teen sex comedy type uh, movies in the 80s. 
Um, but yeah, I really just kind of remember the cover of this because she's standing there with like two football helmets over her chest um, in the locker room. Um, that's basically all I know about this We movie. also have The Pledge from 2001, directed by Sean Ped, starring Jack Nicholson. Never seen this uh, one. I actually saw this in theaters when it came out for some reason. I don't really know why. Hmm, like, why? I think I just went, my parents took me to this or something. Uh, I actually liked this film quite a bit. I, I don't mind Sean Penn as a director. I mean, he's obviously a terrible person, and I know his recent output hasn't been that great as a director, but for a while there, he was directing some pretty interesting movies. This is Jack Nicholson plays a retired police detective who is uh, basically pledges to the parents of a young child who was killed to basically find her killer. And it's just like a really cool, moody, suspenseful thriller. It was pretty underrated at the time. I think it came out in like January of whatever, of 2001, which is like a dumping ground for movies. But it was actually really good. And I, I haven't revisited it since then, but it's got a great cast apart from Jack Nicholson. And uh, yeah, it's just never been on Blu-ray before. It's been out of print on DVD for years. So if you missed this one at the time, I would definitely recommend checking it out. We also have Spun, directed by Jonas Ackerlund, which I always confuse with the Richard Linklater movie. Uh, is it Tape or Spin? It's tape, yeah, Tape. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. Spun is the crazy yeah, one. Yeah, Spun is kind of like Requiem for a Dream, but a more like punk Fun, like a more like a f- more fun punk kind of version <laughs> of it. Requiem for a Dream was more, you know, fun. Fun, right? Well, it's it's definitely got like an in your face vibe. That's it's got a more like it's got a sense of humor about it, I guess. Um, I, it's also got a big cast, including our man John Leguizamo is in this, as well as you know Brittany Murphy, rest in peace. Uh, Maida Suvari is in this back when she was kind of like famous, I guess. Mickey Rourke shows up in this. It's got a pretty big cast. Yonas um, Ackerland is like a stylist. He was obviously a big music video director. And this is like all style, this movie. I really liked this as a teenager. Can't say I've caught up with it again since. Uh, so Ooh, I watched Yonas's um, newest movie, the one, the Matt Mickelson Netflix one. P.U. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I would say after this movie, I was kind of big on him for a while because I just liked him as like a music video director. And I liked this movie. Oh, he did Lords of Chaos recently too right which i saw and did not like really at all um so yeah recently not really into him but for a while i thought he was you know a promising director uh but again i haven't revisited this since i was a teenager so it could be annoying now going back to it i could i could definitely see that so moving on to new stuff mark can you just take us through all of these releases we can't go through all of these i, I know I'll, I'll blaze through these so we so set it up so yeah we've hooked up with a cool company in out of quebec actually called maison catois which we talked about a few weeks ago when antigone came out the canadian film uh so they have a great catalog of stuff that i didn't know about mostly stuff that's never been on dvd or anything uh and we got a whole shipment from them so i am going to dive right in first up and probably the biggest title we got from them is matthew rankin's the 20th century which i know is just it has just been announced that oscilloscope will be putting this out so if you want to get this on blu-ray or something like that you might want to hold off well yeah we should put some caveats before you go through uh all of the is it caveats caveat 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 (laughs) (laughs) is that uh these come in really nice looking like cardboard cases they do yeah very well designed 
DVD only, no special features. No, except for one, which I will get to in a second. Really? Yes, one of them actually has special features, but the 20th century does not have special features. Uh, I'm going to have to hold out for the oscilloscope version. I can see oscilloscope potentially putting some of his short films on. But anyways, this movie is really funny, though, if you haven't seen it. I mean, this was a hit at Midnight Madness at TIFF last year, and then it's just been kind of like a hit on the festival circuit since then. I feel like Americans are only certain to get to it now that oscilloscope's putting it out but uh if you don't know what it is it's a very like guy madden-esque kind of tale like faux biopic of uh mackenzie king and it's just hilarious it's a really hilarious i loved it it was like one of my favorite movies of last year style's amazing it's super funny the actor who plays mackenzie king is just bang on uh this is just a really great time so i would say if you haven't seen this and just want to check it out Come in and rent it because it's even though it's DVD only, it looks really good. Um, it's just it's just a wild film. It's definitely one of the best Canadian films of late. Are all of these Maison Trois films Canadian? No, not all of them, but most of them are. Um, next one is for sure. We've got Ghost Town Anthology, which is the latest or one of the latest Denny Cote films because he just cranks them out these days. This is a really, really cool movie about a small town and there's an accident there and then people start seeing ghosts and it's uh, it's very it's like a ghostly kind of drama. It's very much in the style of Denny Cote's stuff. So it's very experimental. I'm a big fan of him. So if you are also, I would highly recommend this. And this is the one that actually comes with extras. And strangely enough, it's got extras made by Matthew Rankin, the director of the 20th century. Interesting. Yeah. So there's a few behind the scenes short films or what they call them made by Matthew Rankin. So I guess he has a working relationship with Denny Cote. He might have helped out with this film. Um, But yeah, so this one actually comes with some stuff. So if you are a fan of Denny Cote, and this has never been released by any other company in North America, and a lot of Denny Cote stuff doesn't really get distribution outside of Quebec. So this might be the only time you see it. So yeah, I I would definitely check this out. Otherwise, we've got It Must Be Heaven, which is not a Canadian film. It's the new Elia Suleiman film, which is kind of like a like documentary fiction hybrid where he plays himself going back to Palestine and kind of seeing what how things are like there after, I guess, working in France for many years. It was a big hit at the on the festival circuit as well. We've got also a couple of European animated films. The Bears' Famous Invasion of Sicily and The Swallows of Kabul, which are both supposed to be excellent as well. More adult kind of animated films, but uh, they're supposed to be So, great. like, pornography. Pornography, then. yeah, no, no. <laughs> no. Actually, The Bears' Famous Invasion of Sicily is okay for kids. I think it just has some adult themes in it. Oh, I was hoping you'd be like, actually, The Bears' Famous of Sicily has some hardcore animation. Yeah, it's hardcore pornography with bears, if you know, yeah. Yikes! Oh, uh, man, those Charmin bears sure hit hard times. Right? Yeah, I know. That's what, that's what I thought of when they first came in. Oh, they kind of look like the Charmin bears. And then back to some Quebecois films that they're putting out. We've got Our Own, a.k.a. Le Noche, uh, which is a recent film, um, which is very, very good. It's basically almost like a John Cheever-esque like, suburban portrait of a a girl, a young girl, like a 13, 14 year old girl who becomes pregnant and it's a big scandal, but she won't say who it is that who the father is. And the whole thing's kind of like a mystery who did it. But then you find out it kind of exposes this whole town for what it is. So it's one of those kind of movies really beautifully done, though. I would highly recommend this one. Got Jeune Juliette, which is from Anne Imond, who is a very who's a pretty prominent French Canadian director at this point. It's one of her earlier films. Uh, We've got Fake Tattoos, which is the first film from 
Uh, Pascal Plant, I believe, is the director who recently, who just this year made Nadia Butterfly, which is a probably one of the bigger Canadian films that's been going on the festival circuit because it played at Cannes or whatever, whatever Cannes was this year. It played at that. Um, but this is his first film, kind of like a punk romance. Uh, and then lastly, we've got a really, really cool Canadian film called Happy Face, which uh, I think we've talked about on this podcast before when uh, Aaron Schimberg's Chained for Life came out because it's a similar type film as that. It's basically about a young man who bandages himself up to pretend to have like a facial difference so that he can go into these support groups for um, people with differences, uh, physical differences, kind of like almost like a fight club as setup. But then it's not like that at all. It goes in some really interesting directions, really funny, really dramatic. The cast is excellent in this. Just definitely one of the best Canadian films I've seen in recent years. So if you missed this one, it played a few smaller festivals, but didn't really get a ton of uh, exposure past that. Uh, I would say check it out. It's from the uh, director Alexander Franke, I believe, who uh, made The Wild Hunt, which was that kind of like LARPing movie from about a decade ago. Do you remember that? I remember it. I remember the cover because I was looking up Happy Face and I picked it up at Bay Street Video and I'm like, uh, this is also shot in English, which makes it feel like Arrow Video or something like that is going to jump on it and release it because I know it played at Fright Fest. Yeah, it's possible. So, I mean, again, it, it's a nice DVD set, but if you're trying, if you're a huge fan and you want to wait for a Blu-ray, then that could happen, I guess, at some point. But um, yeah, if you're a fan of The Wild Hunt, which I liked back at, back in the day, and he hasn't made anything since then. So this is kind of uh, his first, you know, his first project since. And I think he spent several years working on it and working together with the actors. So it was a real collaborative process. Uh, but I would highly recommend this movie. It's really, really good. Well, I'm glad you finally got some inroads to uh, the Quebec company who puts out Canadian films because the DVD Blu-ray um, reality of Canadian cinema is like non-existent. It's just terrible. And we get asked so much about French Canadian films and just other Canadian films that don't seem to get any releases. But it seems like Maison Catois has kind of filled in the void for these. And they've got some stuff coming up, too, that are some bigger, bigger releases. They'll be putting out Nadia Butterfly, which I was mentioning earlier, in a few months. So we'll be getting that in so it's great that we have this connection it's now. weird that like something like dim the fluorescence isn't picked up by like an indie distributor and put out it was put out on dvd uh much to the surprise of the directors of the film i know but that well, doesn't that really was... count <laughs> Yeah, well, that was Level Film, which is a Canadian company, too, who used to do more DVDs of their stuff like that. But now they've kind of just stopped that altogether. They put out some titles recently, like through streaming, and I was getting asked about them if they would come in. So I actually just sent them an email directly and they just got back to me saying, yeah, sorry, we're just not uh, we're not in the market of doing DVDs anymore. So like, all right, all right. thanks. I would I would have thought that like the library um, network would have made it valuable or valuable enough for these companies to do it, but I guess you have to print a minimum of a thousand. I think so. To, to get a glass master, to get that silver bottom on Blu-rays and DVDs. So. so maybe they're just like, we can't sell a Although thousand. Although their last couple that they put out at level, like Dim the Fluorescence, were all MODs. So I, so yeah, so they could still do it that way. It's like, why don't they? I, and when they came in, they really did look like they just put these discs together, printed off like some artwork and just sent it to us. Yeah, right? So, I don't know. All right. I'll, yeah, I'll start my own Canadian company. We'll have a yeah, Canadian Blu-ray We got We got to put out more Canadian stuff. But, uh, all right. Yeah, but I need a grant to do it. All right, this is my uh, plea for someone to give me money like I do every week. The weekly <laughs> plea. The weekly plea for money. 
So moving on, we have My Spy, another one of Mark's favorite directors, Peter Seagal, the director uh, <laughs> of Naked Gun 3 and yep. the Longest Yard remake. Of course. Is making another wrestler uh, teams up with the kid movie. In this case, it's Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista. You know, having his pacifier moment here, I guess. Um, yep. Didn't see it. I hear it's bad. Yeah, I hear it's bad. Uh, yeah. We have Black Lightning Season 3, which is a show that I watched half of the first season. I enjoyed it. Never got back to it. It yeah. definitely has its fans. We have Babylon Berlin Season 1 and 2 being released by Kino. This is a big German mega production that's yeah, kind of insane. headlined by Run Lola Run himself. Tom, Tom Tickver. Tickver is what it is. Tickver, Tickver? yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, this is insanely popular. Uh, I've never watched it. People say it's good if uh, kind of uh, empty. I mean, it's one of those like Euro productions that's trying to be more cinematic than your average TV show, I guess. Um, I don't know. People really go wild for this. We've been waiting for a release of this for a while. People have been asking us. So I'm glad Kino picked up the rights and are putting this out now because they're actually putting season three out next month, too. So we'll have that. Next up, Mark. We've got Fatima, which is... Uh, a religious film that came out this year, but like one of those like mainstream kind of religious films. I think you've got Harvey Keitel in this one, as well as a bunch of other actors. Oh no, poor Harvey Keitel. I know. Yeah, this was released around Easter this year, I guess on streaming. Who knows? Maybe in theaters somewhere in the States. I, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> this was like kind of your obligatory, like mainstream Easter type film that was being released. But moving on from that, we've got a kind of an interesting movie movie waiting for the barbarians which i haven't had a chance to see yet but this is the new uh chiro guerra film i might be mispronouncing his name he's the director who made embrace of the serpent and birds of passage recently uh really great chilean films if you haven't seen those uh i mean they were pretty big deals they were nominated for oscars definitely watch those haven't seen this one yet this is his english language debut and it's got a starry cast of yeah this is like sell out um we have all these stars like robert pattinson and stuff like that in the yeah, movie you got mark rylance in this too and Johnny Depp good old Johnny Depp is showing his face in this one I know I know which kind of like holds me back from wanting to see it but I definitely I want to see what this guy does with a with a English language film. I mean, will he be playing his Guy Lapointe character from Tusk and Yoga? I mean, Hosers? it looks like from his image on the front, it kind of looks like it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's a big, largely scaled period piece. I mean, I think it's a European production, so I don't think it's gonna. It's like not a total Hollywood sellout or anything. But I mean, it doesn't seem to have the same kind of magic that you know his earlier films have had. But yeah, moving on, we've got Clementine from Oscilloscope, which is kind of a quiet drama which is kind of you know what oscilloscope uh specializes in uh about two women who kind of form a relationship at a lakeside cabin something like that sounds interesting from director lara gallagher who i believe it is her feature it's been getting uh, a lot of great reviews uh in the festival scene for the last year or so so yeah this is kind of like a prime oscilloscope release uh very much in their wheelhouse then we've got absurd accident another cheng cheng release they're just cranking out the releases these days um, this one's a slightly older film from 2016, and there's a lot of allusions to Cone Brothers' black comedy on this. So, yeah, I guess if you want, like, a Chinese Cone Brothers-type movie... <laughs> you can rent uh, The Woman, The Noodle Shop. Yeah, and... <laughs> you could just do that. Or you could rent this. Absurd, <laughs> absurd accident. accident. Wait, is this supposed to be... I, it's, I say absurd. You just said absurd. absurd. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I say absurd. Yeah. Is it absurd? Absurd? I'm we'll, not sure. We'll never know. <laughs> which is the proper way to say it uh it could be one of those like regional things that there is no technically wrong way to i say think it. that must be it 
Uh, and then we've got Papicha or Papicha. I, I might be mispronouncing that. This is a, <laughs> ah, it's regional. Mark. Yeah, it doesn't matter. This is a French Algerian <laughs> film uh, taking place in 1997 about Algerian terrorism and, or terrorist sort of uh, Islamic terrorists in Algeria. And it's supposed to be pretty heavy. Again, a big festival hit. I wish I had more to say about this one, but I have not seen it, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, check it out. Important stuff. <laughs> What what a last minute sale there at the end. You're like, ah, check it out, important stuff. I gotta say something, you know. I don't wanna I don't wanna just like leave, leave these it hanging filmmakers high and dry here, you know. You know, it takes a lot to make a film. So yeah, yeah. Uh so next up we've got Crescendo, which is a German film about a world famous conductor who accepts the job to create an Israeli Palestinian youth orchestra. So I'm sure that will set the stage for many a conflict. I mean, I saw Crescendo. I saw like Orchestra and I was like, oh, no, this is an old movie. But, you know, Israeli-Palestine, that throws another complex thing into the the mix. wrench into the the proceedings there. (laughs) Uh, And then we've got Young Hunter, which is an Argentinian film. Seems kind of interesting. It's a, uh, although it's got a very, you know, risque kind of plot. It's an LGBTQ interest title about a 15-year-old old young man burning with desire to have sex with another man who gets involved with a manipulative and exploitative porn plot so this uh this could be pretty incendiary i guess (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it's from marco berger who's a uh who i know has directed a lot of films lately that have done well on the festival circuit this one's pretty big on like the rotterdam kind of festival so that like really sort of experimental flavor and then we've got rapture in blue which is an intriguing looking altered innocence title also a queer interest title here which uh is actually a short film it's only like 50 minutes or 55 minutes but it's basically got a lot of a lot of quotes and descriptions alluding to stuff like brian de palma or david lynch on the back so it's i guess a young man who sort of loses his grip on reality kind of thing um from a young filmmaker who i don't know his name's Ryder something uh, his name is Ryder Houston. So I guess this is one of those things where, like, I could see this director maybe getting bigger projects in the future. So if you kind of want to see where he starts, um, this is a good uh, a good place to start. And especially since Altered Innocence always puts together really nice packages for these kind of things. And it's nice that they're putting out, like, more short-form work that might not, you know, see the light of day otherwise. Yeah, but you got to pay full price for it. I know. you got. I mean, it's cheaper than their regular releases, but... Eh, 55 minutes. You'd probably be happy to watch a 55-minute movie than, like, a two-hour movie, so... Almost a feature, right? It's not, it's not like it's 15 minutes or something, so... It's like a Poverty Row film, so it's good. All right, moving on. We got Wolfman's God. Yeah, uh, that's that's all right. I mean, <laughs> this is in those um, you know young actors that appeared in cult films making documentaries about the uh, you know the defining I moment know, of their right? lives. So I feel like this one's kind of for um, Monster Squad devotees only. I don't know. This hasn't. Re- I love the Monster Squad, but I'm not going to check this documentary. Do they out. have some interviews or anything with like people. Involved? Yeah, they do. I feel like it's probably a lot of like going around and being like, "Wow, look at all these fans! The movie's been rediscovered." Yeah, right? So, I don't know. I mean, it's been selling well. So, I guess if you're a Monster Squad fan, you'll this will be 
for you. But, but it should be an extra on a Blu-ray. I know, I know. But, you know, Gravitas, Ventures, they just, you know, they just take take whatever they can get. And I believe Lionsgate owns they the do, rights they to do. Monster Squad, so that's probably not coming out anytime soon. It did get a special edition a while back, and it did appear on Blu-ray. You know who actually has the rights to that now is Olive. Yeah, so after the initial Lionsgate Blu-ray that went out of print, Olive put it out on Blu-ray, although I don't think they had, like, any of the extras that were on the Lionsgate. I think it was a bare-bones Blu-ray, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then also from gravitas ventures we've got a great looking sci-fi movie here called attack of the unknown oh you didn't watch this one just looking at the, I did at the co- oh you did <laughs> i know i was going to and i just didn't have time oh okay i can't make the sound because you didn't have time I know. but i threw i threw it on i threw it on in the store because i was intrigued and it looked pretty terrible as you would expect <laughs> uh this one has uh stars like richard grieco and tara reed in this one so i mean that kind of tells you what you're in for it just looks like another kind of like terrible looking you know sci- sci-fi movie with bad cheap cgi and you know that's that's all there is basically shot in like a warehouse that's meant to look like a bunch of different locations so wait but doesn't it have like a crazy cast i i mean i know it's richard grieco and tara reed those were the two names yeah that's right those were the two names those that two i shining remember light. Wait, are they like together? Because Richard Grieco and Tara Reid appeared in a movie I watched recently, Art of the Dead. Oh, no, you know what? I would not be surprised if Richard Grieco and Tara Reid were together. That would be amazing. <laughs> I know. Oh, also, Rod- Robert Lasardo is in this one. So, you know, you know, you're getting uh, some quality right there. And then we've got Rock, Paper, Scissors from director Tom Holland. This is Tom Holland's new movie. Ooh, well, new. <laughs> Newish. I mean, it's from like three years ago. Um this looks pretty bad. Uh, it got pretty bad reviews. It looks a little torture porny too, from just what I was <laughs> reading on the back. It's got Michael Madsen in it, who is always always a good time. Michael Madsen and Tatum O'Neill front this one, so there you go. It's just it's sad, you know. Tom Holland was a real was just really great in the eighties, and oh yeah, Cloak and Dagger. He wrote it. Psycho right? Two. He wrote it as I mean, well. Just Fright Night, Child's Play, even Thinner. I like really like. You know, mm, I, just... I don't know about that. No, you're not a Thinner fan. <laughs> I am not a Thinner fan. Uh... There's a whole podcast of no such thing as a bad movie where uh, uh, one of the co-hosts says it's their favorite Stephen King adaptation, which you can hear my jaw hit the floor while we're recording. Fair enough. I I've always had a soft spot for Thinner, but maybe just because I saw it as a kid. And it just it really scared me as a kid. You know the whole concept of it i think thinner was actually the last like theatrical movie he made before this one so Mm -hmm. i mean this one was not a theatrical film no not at all and then the last title on the list i'm gonna leave to you justin because i know you watched this one oh i did indeed the last title is a full moon release ouija's halloween night i programmed it at my 24-hour horror movie mind melter that we did some people reacted in horror even though that it was I think it played at like 10 a.m. Because that's when I like to put like the sillier films. Okay, this seems like a 10 a.m. choice. And like what's great about it is that the people who made it, Danny Draven's the director. He's a full moon head who's been working there for like 15 years. I always consider him like the young guy, but he's been there for a very long time. And it's like their take on like ghoulies or, you know, gremlins. And they just go all in with the meager resources that they have. When the Ouija's themselves show up, including MVP, uh, Weed Wolf, 
they just take up the back half of the movie, just creating like trouble in Las Vegas. That's great. And it's fun. It's very silly. Like there's a lot of funny puns. I just had a blast with it. It's part of this thing that Charlie Band uh, did or tried to do called the Deadly Ten, where they wanted to release like ten movies right. all at once. That I don't know. Did they shoot in ten days? It feels like this is more like a five day movie. They, they should have, right? <laughs> and this Blu-ray is packed with stuff. There's two commentary tracks. There is a hundred minute making of, and tons of little featurettes. And you know that kind of love, which Full Moon stuff doesn't always get. Uh, you know, I really appreciate it. It's really fun. The Blu-ray is really cheap. It's, I mean, compared to the like last output of Full Moon for the last decade and a half this is you know citizen kane level stuff (laughs) even though the ouija's themselves look horrifying they all look like they're in like late stage syphilis like (laughs) weed wolf has like pustules all over his face like nobody Uh... would want an action figure or a doll of these because they were just like you look at them and you get nightmares (laughs) (laughs) nice and i mean full moon uh deadly 10 will be coming up in the next few weeks because there's a new puppet master film that came out that i've seen yeah and we'll be getting that here that's for sure oh and it'll be sitting on my shelf once you do i'm sure it will All right, so that's it for this week's episode of Bay Street Video Podcast. Any news, Mark? Uh, not really. Not that I can think of. Everything's kind of status quo here, you know? We're just trying to survive amidst the growing hysteria of, you know, nothing being done about uh, tons of coronavirus cases. Don't worry, but... Mark. I heard that our premier said that he's going to open up movie theaters and restaurants, but limited to I 100 know, people. Because we have to, you know, we got to we gotta just get those numbers up. coronavirus at this point, right? It's just going to be here to, to stay for some time. So. Yikes. Well, on that note, uh, my name is Justin DeClue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. We will forever. These movies and many more are available at your local video store.